0: This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Come with me please to John's Gospel, chapter 15. And as you turn to that, uh, I want to read a couple of verses from John 14 and John 16, and John 15, but you hold your place in John 15, and I'll give you a text there uh, just uh, a little bit later. John 14, verses 13 and 14. Jesus speaking said, And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 16. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And John 16, verse 23, 24, and 26. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Unto now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. Just imagine this scenario for a moment. You get a telephone call one day at home. It's from a very highly respected firm of solicitors in Belfast. And uh, they inform you that they have been doing some very careful research uh, into inheritances And lo and behold, they discovered that you have a distant relative, and you are the only sole survivor, which means, in fact, you're the only sole beneficiary of his estate. You don't know this old gentleman. He's so far out, you've probably never heard of him. But nonetheless... The law is the law, and you are the beneficiary. So you're listening to this telephone conversation, your heart's beating, and you say, how much is the estate worth? And this listener calmly says, 100 million pounds. <laughs> and your legs go like rubber, <laughs> and your heart jumps out of your chest. <laughs> how would you feel? You'd be absolutely shocked, to the core, wouldn't he? I mean, you'd be amazed. You'd be astounded. You'd be gobsmacked. And after you over the initial shock of the will, then you'd have to deal with the shock of the wealth. A hundred million pounds to people like us is unthinkable. You can't even begin to imagine what that would be like Because if you get that amount of wealth left to you, which would be beyond your wildest dreams, it's mind-boggling. It would absolutely change your life. From that moment on, you would never, ever again have to concern yourself one moment about any earthly, physical, material need for you and for your whole family. For the rest of your natural life, that would be done. And as wonderful and as exciting as that sounds, incredibly, Christ here has offered us much, much more than that. Only Jesus could make such a promise. Only Christ could say such a thing. Because only he would have the wherewithal to back up what he has just said. And what Jesus has just said, we read together the It's so far-reaching in its ramifications that to tell you the truth, we struggle to believe it. We really struggle to believe it. We say it, we read it, we maybe even sing it, but actually believe it. It's a different thing, isn't it? Can he really mean whatever you ask? What you will, whatever you pray to the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Is that real? Or is God just teasing us? Is He playing mind games? I think we know the answer to that. Absolutely not. For sure, it is true. Jesus said it clearly. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, that I will do. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Unto now you have asked nothing in my name, but now ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Notice here that Jesus gives us an insight into how this is possible. Because I don't know about you, but mentally I, I struggle with that. Does he really mean anything you ask? Whatever you ask in my name, that's a key phrase it's a key truth whatever is the promise in my name is the proviso and so it's conditional whatever is the promise in my name is the proviso it's a condition now surely he meant much more than just simply reciting his name at the end of our prayers and it's good to do that It's good to finish your prayers, and we do it all the time, in Jesus' name. But we do that all the time anyway. Surely he means more than that. So, what does it mean when he says, in my name? Asking in my name, going in my name, coming in my name, doing in my name. What entitlements, what privileges? What authority, what status, what standing do we have in his name? Two things. Firstly, whenever we think of somebody's name, if somebody mentions somebody's name to you, you just don't think of those letters. You think of the person behind the name, don't you? And you're thinking about that person, you're thinking about their character their constitution, what they're like, their personality. Are they dependable? Are they reasonable? Are they good? Are they kind? Are they generous? Are they bad? When you think of the name, you're actually thinking about that person, what they're really like, if you know them. If you don't know them and somebody says, did you hear about so-and-so and And you've never heard that name before, even though you just heard the name, you're wondering, what's that so-and-so like? I wonder what they're like. I've never met them. And so we're thinking about the person behind the name. And we're thinking about their integrity, their honor, their disposition, And so, when a name is mentioned, it immediately conjures up in your mind, either consciously or subconsciously, that person. Particularly if you know them. You know exactly who they're talking about. You know exactly what they're like. That's what you're thinking. And I think that's why in Psalm 138 and 2, God said, and I've mentioned that umpteen times, for you have magnified your word above all your name. because a man's only his name's only as good as his word. You've magnified your word above all your name. If God didn't keep his word, his name wouldn't be worth much, but he does keep his word. It's an unfailing word. God is not a man that he should lie," the Bible says. And so when you think of somebody, you're thinking, what are they like? Do they keep their word? Are they dependable? Is their word good? Is their word their bond? Or are they the opposite? Some people, you say, I couldn't trust them as far as I could throw them. They tell you something and... You just wouldn't even believe it. Because that's what they're like. And you just discount them. As soon as their name comes up, you just discount that. You say, I don't want anything to do with that person. You can't depend on them. They're unreliable. You can't, they can't keep their word. They break their promises. But not God. Not God. Proverbs 22 and 1 says, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. A good name. What does somebody think when they hear our name? We hope that they would think well. Let me tell you a story. Jason would know that story because his dad told it to me. Two brothers. They lived in this town. They were absolute rascals. They were liars, they were cheats, they were con men, they were reprobates. And the whole town knew them. And one of them died. And he wanted him buried in a church. But ministers didn't want to bury this man because really he was a bad hide, as we would say. (laughs) But the other brother, he went to this particular pastor, and he says, look, if you bury my brother, and if you make out somehow in your eulogy that he was a saint, I'll give you 10,000 pounds for your building fund. Pastor thought, and he says, okay, I'll do it. And so the day of the, the funeral... He was given his eulogy. Of course, everybody in the town knew who he was talking about. And he said, so-and-so who's just died, he was the biggest rascal in this town. He was a liar, he was a cheat, he was a con man, he was a reprobate. He was just an awful, terrible human being. But compared to his brother there, he was an absolute saint. <laughs> Thank your dad for that one. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Our name can mean everything or nothing. So when Jesus says to ask in my name, we think of the person of Jesus and how good he is and how true he is and how merciful and compassionate and dependable and faithful he is. His name is full of honor and integrity and character. He's trustworthy. Hebrews 1:14, "He has a more excellent name. And the right of the Hebrews, he's mentioned Abraham and Moses and all the, the great old saints of the Old Testament and the prophets. but he says, Jesus has a more excellent name than all of them. And they were great names but nothing to be compared to the Lord Jesus. Philippians 2 and 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. Glory to God. There is no higher name. There's no greater name. There's no more trustworthy name than our Lord Jesus. Secondly, there's a legal side to this. As well as a vital side, there's a legal side. In the Great Commission, Jesus told us to go in his name. To do things in his name. To preach in his name, to testify in his name, to lay hands on in his name. So he has given us the legal authority to use his name The Apostle Paul picks up on this when he says that we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is somebody who works for and serves and speaks on behalf of another. It may be his king or his queen or his prime minister or his president. He has no agenda of his own, he has a message to bring, he has things to do on behalf of his superior. And we are ambassadors for Christ, Paul says. And so we go in his name with his agenda, not our own. And as an ambassador, we speak on his behalf. And like an ordinary ambassador, he's got his kingdom, his nation, to back him up, what he says, because he's not speaking for himself. He's speaking for his leader. He's doing that particular job. And so we go in his name. Now the early church seemed to grasp that immediately. And we're a far cry from the early church, we have to admit. But they seem to have got it right away. And they went out in his name and did tremendous exploits. In chapter 2 of Acts Peter's preaching here. Verse 14, Peter standing up with the eleven raised his voice and said, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, saying, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And then he, he quotes Joel's prophecy. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit in all flesh. Your sons, your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Then he quotes Psalm 16. and Then he goes on down and quotes Psalm 68. Therefore, verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. There he sent the name again. Everything was in the name. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children, to all who are far off as many as the Lord your God shall call. And then chapter 3, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain lame man from his mother's room was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he rose up and he immediately began to walk. And it caused such a stir Verse 11, now as a lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power, or godliness, we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of her fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom he delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy one and the just and ask for a murder to be granted to you and kill the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong. Glory to God. Hmm. And then Peter and John got arrested. And in chapter 4, verse 5, it came to pass on the next day that their rulers and elders and scribes as well as Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John, Alexander and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be made known to you and to all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Huh. Now when they saw the boldness in, of Peter and John and perceived they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And then not really knowing what to do with them because of all the people verse 17, so that it spreads no further among the people. Let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. And so the early church immediately realized the power and the authority in that one name. There is no name so hated and so loved as the name of Jesus. There is no name so feared and so respected as the name of Jesus. There's nations that would stump that name out if they could. (laughs) But they can't. It's such a powerful name. Now in John 15, we'll ask you to turn to back off, is it? Battery's done, is it? If I could get it out of my pocket, it would even do better. Nope. There's still life in the battery. There you are. We you okay, John? No? Well, it doesn't matter. We'll go on ahead anyway. Well, continue on, John. Don't worry. So sure, there's nobody asking for it. Anyway, anyway sure. Oh, there we go. Don't know what happened. Well, that's better now, isn't it? All right. Where did that go off? <laughs> I'm just testing. John 15. John 15. Right, okay. John 15. Right. John 15, 7 and 8. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you shall be my disciples. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Do you remember in the parable of the true vine, just before the scriptures we read, Jesus is talking about abiding in the vine. And the word abide in the first nine verses of John 15 is mentioned 10 times. So he's really wanting to get across the importance of abiding in him. Now, we know that whenever we get saved, in that sense, we're living in Christ, and Christ is living in us. But the abiding is much more than just getting saved. It's developing a life of a union between us and Christ, a closer relationship between us and Christ and between us and the Father. And Paul speaks of this. I happened to mention yesterday, whenever we were talking about uh, let our light shine at, at the the joint uh, church affair we had yesterday, and how the apostle Paul is trying to get us to understand about being abiding in Christ, he talks about in Ephesians chapter two about us being like a building and Christ as the chief cornerstone. So there's that connection. Then he talks in in chapter four about us being a body, Christ being the head of the body, and again, that vital connection between the head and the body. And then, of course, in chapter 5 of Ephesians, he talks about us being the bride and Christ being the bridegroom. So this is something that's living, something that's lasting, and something that's loving. And that's the relationship that's got to be between us and Christ, a living relationship, a loving relationship, and a lasting relationship. And this is what it means by abiding in him. And that's the one thing above all things that he wants us to do is to abide in him. And there's no way to abide in him other than being with him in his presence. Whatever time of the day you can carve out for yourself to meet with the Lord, that's a good thing to do. That's abiding in him. In Psalm 62, the psalmist knew something about this. Psalm 62, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. One of the hardest things to do is wait on God. <laughs> what is wait on God? It means wait. It means still yourself, calm yourself, set yourself down. Get a space for yourself and wait. Sometimes we, we rush into prayer, don't we? We rush in and we rush out. Maybe, not, nothing wrong with having a prayer list. I'm not against prayer lists. But sometimes we rush in, do list and rush out, but we haven't really waited. We haven't listened. We haven't waited. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. And in verse 6, he says, When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Hmm. Now I know that some of you are really, really good at this. Clifford is brilliant at this because he's traveled with me, we've slept in the same room, and he's asleep in five minutes. Isn't that right, Evelyn? One night we were lying in the bed in the Ukraine, and I was gobbling away. He says, David, are you going to stop talking because I'm going to go sleep? <laughs> and I hadn't stopped talking 10 seconds, he was snoring. Just boom, just like that. And that's wonderful. I can't do that. That's, that's just, I never could do that. But what I find myself many times is going to bed and lying there. And a scripture comes to my mind. And, and, and when it does, I, I, I could think about it for an hour. It just comes to my mind, and I'm thinking about it. Lord, what does that mean? Sometimes I know exactly what it means, and, and I think about it more, but sometimes I'm wondering, what does that mean? Or what are he send to me? Is that for a sermon, or is that just a scripture for me? And I'm lying thinking, on my bed. Or sometimes I get up in the morning, and it's a thought in my head, and I'm thinking about it. It's a scripture, or a portion, or a, a, a something I've read in Scripture, and it's in my mind, and I think about it, I meditate. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. And sometimes it's not a Scripture, sometimes it's not a song, it's not a chorus. Sometimes you just think of Him, of Him alone, and you imagine what He is like seated on his throne. All power, all authority given unto him in heaven and on earth. Glory to God. And Psalm that was Psalm 63 I read from. Wasn't it? Did I say Psalm 62? And then I read from Psalm 63. Alright, I'll read from Psalm 62 now. (laughs) Just to confuse you. Verse one. Truly, my soul silently waits for God. No, what am I doing? I just read that, didn't I? Did I just read that? Help me here. And then I jumped the other one. See, John, you knocked that. You knocked that microphone off of it Just, just threw my mind completely. Huh? All right, verse 1 of 62. Truly my soul silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Verse 5. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. Isn't that a great verse? My soul waits silently for God Alone, When well, your mind is full of stuff and everything's crowding in in your thoughts, sometimes you have to just stop and just quieten yourself and quieten your head and just wait on the Lord and wait until he speaks again. This is abiding in Christ. Psalm said, 42 and 1, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my Soul pants after you, O oh God. And so, living and abiding in Christ is essential when it comes to asking anything in His name. It's not a magic potion. It's not an abracadabra. There has to be a relationship. We have to be abiding in His presence. Then He says and my words abide in you. Now see here Jesus was linking his words to us abiding in him. If I can impress anything upon you tonight, this is it. The best way to abide in him while you're waiting on him and you're praying is get into the word of God. Make his word our word. Meditate on his words. Prayerfully seek to understand them and you'll be strengthened and you'll be enlightened by them. It'll become a living truth to you. You say, David, that's easier said than done because sometimes I read things that's hard to understand. Good. I'm glad you're beyond the things that you can't understand. Good. Because when you get to a bit you can't understand, then do everything in your power to find out what it means. First of all, ask the Holy Spirit, the author of this book, Holy Spirit, what does this mean? Then research it. And if necessary, go to a Christian bookshop and get a dictionary or a commentary or something until you get the answer to what that means. And once you start doing that, once you start comparing Scripture with Scripture, it's wonderful what that leads to. <laughs> because suddenly, something will come alive to you out of the Scriptures. And maybe you've read it a thousand times. But because you're cross-referencing with other Scriptures, you say, aha! So that's what that means. That's what that really means. And once you start to do that during your times of waiting upon the Lord and your prayer times, your abiding times, then things become clear. Listen to what Jesus said in John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. How are we going to know his commandments unless we read them? And I don't mean the ten commandments. I mean everything he commands and all that he talks about. And when you start to read that continually over and over again. This is the wonder of this book. Think about this. There is no other book on earth like the Bible. It doesn't exist. You could read this book all of your life, a thousand times, and still something will become alive one day. You read it that you've never seen before. You've read it, but you've never seen it before. And suddenly it lights up. Why? Because it's God's Word. It's supernatural. It's more than just words on a page. This is God's speaking to us. And so if his words are abiding in us, it helps to keep our prayers on track. What do you mean, David? Well, James talks about praying amiss. And sometimes we pray amiss. Sometimes we pray for the wrong thing. We pray amiss. It's a good job God doesn't answer all of our prayers. (laughs) We'd be in big trouble if he did, because sometimes we pray amiss. But if we are filled with God's word, we will rarely pray amiss, because God's word will keep us on track, because God's word is God's will. We want to pray in his will, and if his word is abiding in us, then it'll be harder for us to pray We won't be asking for anything that will dishonor his name, that will not bring him glory, that will lead us astray, that will cause us problems. His word will keep us on track. If my words abide in you. Jesus wants his word to abide in us. When Jesus walked this earth, he was saturated with the word, not just because he was the word, but because he knew the word. You'll find if the word's in your heart, it'll come out. It'll come out. It'll come out in conversation. It'll come out in prayer. It'll come out in situations. It'll come out in your thoughts. It'll come out. And that's what it's meant to do. So during our times of devotion and meditation of the word of God, it's always good to read the word of God. God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his spirit. But chiefly, mainly, God speaks to us through his word by his spirit. He quickens the word to us by his spirit. Now, let me help you. In your devotions, get the word of God out and begin to read it. Say, where do I read it? Well, let me give you a great psalm to read. It'll take you 15 minutes. Psalm 119. It's the longest in the whole Bible. And it'll take you 15 minutes to read it. It takes me 15 minutes to read it. You know, just normally speaking. And if you start to read that psalm, it's a wonderful, wonderful psalm. Because every single verse speaks of the Word of God. The statutes, the precepts, the promises, the sayings, the judgments. There's 176 verses. And it is referred to 173 times. The law, the Word, the statutes. God is mentioned in every single verse. The Psalm has 70 prayer requests... And in this psalm alone, he refers to himself 325 times. And he mentions he's suffering 66 times. So this is David's personal prayer. It's a great prayer. And it's a good prayer for us to start on. Look at it as a prayer. See what he's praying. What he's thinking. What he's going through. What he's asking. How he's handling it. And as you do that then when you go to pray, some of these thoughts will be in your mind. And you begin to pray that way. One commentator called it the star of the first and greatest magnitude in the firmament of the Psalms. (laughs) It's a wonderful, wonderful Psalm. It's full of gems. Too many for me to read tonight. But if you read them, if you read it before you go to bed tonight, I read it this afternoon again, but if you read it before you go to bed tonight take you just 15 minutes, switch everything off, go into the room, do something, you read it in a different translation if you like, and just read it, and see the gems are in there. You mightn't even read it all tonight. You might only get to verse 5 or verse 20 and stop there and say, oh, that's good. I'll think about that. That's a good way to go to bed tonight, isn't it? Think of the Word of God. Or, why don't you read some of the great prayers in Scripture? And as you read some of the great prayers, then that seeds your spirit for whenever you go to pray. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to the church at Ephesus, listen to this and make it personal. Blessed be the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose me in him before the foundation of the world, that I should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined me to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made me accepted in the beloved. In him I have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins, which he made me to abound, he made, which he made to abound towards me in all wisdom and prudence, having made known the mystery of his will. And you read all the way on down, and everywhere you see us say me, and it makes it much more personal. You say, but, but can you do that? Well, you do it in the 23rd Psalm. Every time you read the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. So you make David's prayer personal for you every time you read Psalm 23. So why not do it with the writings of Paul or Moses or Abraham or the prophets or whoever and try to see what applies to me? What can I take this and say for me? And that'll help you. Now let me close. Of course, prayer, asking his name, is not complete unless we ask in faith. Hebrews eleven six, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a warrior of those who diligently seek him. You say, David, I don't have much faith. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. <laughs> Couldn't get any smaller than that. In fact, the Bible says that God has given to, and Paul's speaking to the Christians, God has given to every one of us the measure of faith. So there's none of us without faith. James 1, 5, and 6, If you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. And so the Lord has given us his name. He wants us to abide in him and he wants us to use the authority and the legality of his name in our prayers. Whatever we need, what we desire, of course, fitting with his word, then we pray in his name. So we're going to finish tonight by standing and praying a prayer in his name. Whatever our need is tonight, whoever we're praying for, whatever we're praying about, whatever we're praying against, then we'll pray in his name and understand that his name has all power and all authority. So could you stand with me, please? Every one of us right now has got a, a different prayer need. It may not even be for ourselves. It may be for someone else. There's plenty of people in this church needs need prayer, let me tell you. All kinds of prayers need it. Whatever you're praying for, whoever you're praying for, whatever situation you may find yourself in right now, we're going to pray in that name that is above all other names. Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. We thank you that your word encourages us and instructs us to come in that name that is above all other names. We thank you, Father, that you have raised up the name of Jesus above all names in this earth. And so we come before you in that name. And we pray in his name tonight. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power that is in your name tonight. We thank you, Lord, that your name is powerful, Lord. that nothing can stand against the mighty name Amen. of Jesus. Yes. No demon out of hell can stand against that name. That's right. No sickness out of hell can stand against yes. that name. So, Lord, we speak your name tonight on the authority of your word in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We ask, O oh God, that you would break every fetter, every chain, every sickness, every disease of whom we were praying for tonight. Lord, that you would touch and minister and bring life. Lord, where there's death and bring health where there's disease and bring faith where there's fear and bring comfort, Lord, where there's discouragement. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray tonight. And we thank you, Lord, for that great name tonight that you have given us to use, Lord, reverently and humbly, but boldly. We thank you for that name. And so, Lord, tonight, we bless you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for being such a great Savior to us. We lift up your precious name tonight, and we say thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you mean to us, for everything you've done for us, for what you're doing to us and through us. We give you all of the glory tonight in that wonderful name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's people said, Amen. Amen.